Let's Roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for ranks, flanks, and kings of war. as they delve into the world of Panathor and bring you worldwide coverage of all things Kings of War. Welcome to Countercharge. I'm Nick Williams. And I'm Rafa Nuff. And you've probably heard this gentleman before, but it's got to be a couple years since you've been on. It's been a while. About three years, I think it is. Yeah, it's certainly uh, in the before times. I know you were on when you came over for Adepticon that one year. I'm sure mm. we had John for that. Glad to have you back on, Nick. It's been a really long time coming. Thanks for having me. Well, before we get into it, and we're going to talk about some tournament stuff, but before we get there, what have you been painting? What have you been modeling? Or is it all tournament prep for you right now? No armies? Oh, at the moment, it is it is all 100% tournament prep. Um, I'm not even able to get games in because my, uh, my table is covered in terrain supplies. But uh, leading up to this, I... Ooh, Trying to think what I've done since the last time we spoke. So, my latest project was my ogre army, which I did for the four foot snake tournament last year, and that uh, was using the GW ogre models with a lot of three D printed bits that I designed. Uh, you specifically- to Adepticon too, right? Didn't you bring that to Adepticon? Nope, that was my previous ogre army. Okay. <laughs> also, we had three D because you had also had three D printed bits for I think siege breakers. No, uh, I I hand made those ones. I think they were. I think those okay. ones were plastic card. Okay. This time I've I've designed and printed the shields for the siege breakers. Awesome, awesome. What's next for you once you get all this tournament stuff behind you? Ooh, there's still some stuff that I want to do with the ogres. So there's um, the updates for the latest clash. Um, obviously, I brought in some new units like the big deal. Um, I've also become a fan of a a horde of berserkers with the brew sharpness means everything that they touch. Um, and I rush painted them for a, for the uh, Scottish tournament the other weekend. And unfortunately they are rush painted. They do not fit in with the rest of the army. So that's definitely on the to-do list to go back and, and fix those up. Uh, in terms of next big hobby, big hobby projects, it would have to be um, Warpath, I think is getting some traction within uh, our local group. So, uh, looking again, started with that, or firefight, should I say? Absolutely, and you you hit on the ogres. I mean, the Clash of Kings was a huge boon to that list. Um, from having all of our characters inspire everything now mm-hmm. to the mammoth getting the big deal. I mean, it's really propelled I, I that list. You know, it's it's a it's a fun army. It, it, for me, it's invigorated my play. You know, and really absolutely bring, bring them out. I'm like, let's because I feel competitive now. Before it was like I was competitive, but you know, there was a lot of hard counters. Not to say there's not hard counters now, but it just feels like I'm a little bit more offensive and a little bit more yeah. punch in the face, which I like. And it's ogres, right? Punch and in the there face. Was, there were hard counters that no amount of skill could really overcome. So things like artillery lists, they were just your, your only tactic against that was to hope that your opponent didn't hit. And that was it. That was your only strategy against it. But now you've got some tools that we can use. So yeah, it's definitely become a lot more fun to use them. Well, we're here to talk about tournaments, one of my favorite topics in the world, uh, and terrain, another favorite topic of mine. So let's start at the top. You have a GT Northern Kings GT coming up on the 18th and 19th of June. Give us yes. all the details. So it's, it is a fairly standard tournament in terms of um, 
the game. So it's 2,300 points. It's five games. It's in a town called Osset near Wakefield, which is uh, pretty much smack bang in the middle of the UK, but in the north of England. Um, we are hoping to hit a, somewhere between 40 and 48 players. Um, we're on track to to meet that at the moment. Uh, we are the only event this year that has been announced so far that has um, hobby scores in the UK. So obviously this is a uh, somewhat mixed response to uh, hobby scores in the UK, but uh, Northern Kings GT is the only one in the calendar which has them towards the overall scores. Although, of course, we still have best general for people who... Want to just come and crush face on the Exactly, table. yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. When we're when running the Northern Kings GT, we have one goal in mind, and that is to be the best UK tournament. Straight up, we're not. We're that's not, gonna... not the four foot snake one. <laughs> no, it's not the four foot snake one. <laughs> well, it sounds like you guys are going to have a cracking time. This is now. This isn't the first one. This is what number three. Uh, this is actually number two. The number uh, two. the second, the original second one was uh, unfortunately cancelled because of uh, because of cool. COVID. Right. But uh, we did run the first one, and it was uh, all around a really good strong event um very successful events uh i think we were sort of the first ones to properly organize evening functions so we we uh booked out a function room in a pub and we put on an evening buffet for people and we had a pub quiz and um we think that made a big difference other people started to do the same thing so we think that's been a really positive thing and of course we're doing the same thing again we've got the pub quiz in the evening on saturday with some perhaps easy questions and perhaps the return of some rather fiendish questions. What's interesting is you mentioned hobby scores, right? That, you know, whenever mm-hmm. you say hobby scores on fanatics, the argument, the, the, the whole topic devolves into a lot of yelling. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I really think if you can get below that, like very loud minority, most people are okay with it. I mean, uh, certainly, here in the, certainly, certainly here in the U.S., there are there are people that maybe don't even care as much as how they do on the table is how pretty their army is, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, soft scores are can be contentious, but I think there's a lot of positives to doing that. Uh, and so, good on you for you know kind of keep keeping keeping it rolling. I know it hasn't been something that traditionally has been something that you, you guys in the UK have done, but I think it's something that. No varieties of spice of life, right? Absolutely. Give us some different. So, so in the UK, we we only have at most one or two tournaments per year, which use hobby scoring, and the rest are all pure battle. So it's it's nice to have a, an event that uh, sort of really looks after the the whole hobby in itself. Um, but it it's also interesting that after every single one of them, you always get people saying, "Well, actually, I'm really happy because the fact that there was these hobby scores there really pushed me just just." to make that little bit of extra effort, whereas I wouldn't have if it was just, is your army painted, yes or no? But I, I took the time to sort of go through that checklist and just try and tick a couple more boxes on it. It's funny you say that because th- there are people that are, you know, internally they challenge themselves and, and, and they're always going to paint and try to do better. But some people just need that little, uh, mm. you know, that little that little check mark, that little, that little, that little, uh, thing that little carrot hanging out there hey if you do this here's a few extra points yeah exactly extra, you know and and great if, if it and i'm a big fan of if you can if you can get people to if you can reward people in a sensible way to get them to to paint their armies spend a little more time on it i think it just makes the tournament experience that much better for everybody absolutely agreed yeah um like i say it's, it's really noticeable when you when you go to see 
these events and just see the effort that people have put in. But then on the flip side, we've if if that isn't up if that isn't something they're interested in, we do have the awards for best general and uh with the the way that the UK ranking system works, we can't submit the hobby scores towards the ranking points. So regardless, if, if you're only interested in battle, you still get the reward of uh, of all the ranking points for just battle. Absolutely. And you said you want this to be the best tournament. So Absolutely. In your definition, what you know, what are the <laughs> things that make this are going to make this the best tournament in the UK? So when we first started Northern Kings, there was two things that we picked out. And we've since added a third one for the Northern Kings GT. So the two things that we wanted our events to be known for when we started Northern Kings was firstly to be well organized because we just want the events to run to time. We want all the, the rankings to be right. We want people to know what they're doing, all the communication to be clear. Sometimes that's a bit of a challenge with events and you have um you have rounds where people get the table matchups. They're like, uh, hang on, no, that doesn't that doesn't make sense because my opponent's on one win and three losses, and I'm on four wins. There's, something's gone wrong here, and then you know all the tables have to be redrawn and and all these things. So, um, so we really want it to be really well organized, really well run. Now, behind the scenes, we're going to be running around panicking and chickens with your heads off, absolutely. Absolutely, mm-hmm. but we'll present that uh, you know calm frontier. That uh, yeah, we've got this all under control. Um, so one of the things that we're doing is we decided that we're not going to be having the Northern Kings play this year. So normally we have it on a rotor that one person will be running the event, one person will be um, the spare player, and any others can play in the event, but they have to pay as any any other player. This year we said that we're not going to have us play. We're just going to have all of us organising it and doing the behind-the-scenes stuff and looking after players and making sure that uh, everyone's having a good time and stuff. Um, the only exception to that is Elliot, because he's just had little George... Morris arrived a few weeks ago, um, and if he gets the weekend off, it will be one of his only weekends for the foreseeable future. So we think it's uh, it's quite fair that Elliot will get to play if he does get the whole weekend. But uh, myself, Paul, Tom, and Adam will be uh, will be making sure that everything's running smoothly for all of our players. It's good to have a lot of extra resources available, right? Because you never know what pops up, and having yeah. an extra bandwidth there will be helpful. Yeah. So, so you know, you'd you'd think you'd hope that uh, we'll be sat around twiddling our thumbs. We'll probably bring some games that we could play between ourselves if we have downtime. But it's it's when you have something that goes wrong, and you could really do with all hands on deck just to get that thing fixed behind the scenes. And it's always useful to have that that resource there ready to go. Uh, the other thing that we, the other sort of thing that we wanted Northern King events to be known for is the food. We've always done really well in the, with this in the past, and we intend to continue doing really well this, with this in the future. We want people not just to come away with, oh, that was a lunch. I ate it; it was fine. But we want to come away with, I really, really enjoyed that lunch. Absolutely loved it. It's fantastic. So we've been around Osset. We've uh, we've checked out what's what's available catering wise. Um, I suppose the other thing to note is that we're providing three meals with a ticket, not just two meals that you normally get with events. So for the Sunday lunch, we've found a really nice fish and chip shop. So uh, it'll be a chippy dinner on on Sunday. Uh, for the Saturday night, for the uh, for the after party, we've uh, found a really nice pizza place, and we'll be lining up a bunch of pizzas and other general nibbles for for people who come along to the quiz and and uh, after drinks. And then for Saturday, we think is going to be the key 
thing that people come away with is Yorkshire pudding wraps, which you're pulling a funny face. What? Well, okay, I, I like Yorkshire pudding. I like wraps. Yep. So what are we talking about here? So for those for those who don't know, presuming a lot of Americans, um, a Yorkshire pudding is essentially, if you think of it as a big, fluffy, crispy pancake, um, and it's it's normally served with a roast dinner, and so a Yorkshire pudding wrap. Um, you stuff it full of roast meat and vegetables and gravy, and it's it's just like a burrito, but with uh, with a roast dinner. Oh man, that sounds amazing. They're absolutely amazing. They they really are amazing. Um, they started cropping up, I think, about ten years ago, and uh, they went viral up and down the country. Now there's all sorts of places that that do these Yorkshire pudding wraps. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Well, that sounds awesome. But what's the third thing? That's there's you said strong organization. You said food. What's the third thing? The third thing is terrain. So, um, this really does make or break a tournament, in my experience. Um, well, not necessarily break it, but it, it can certainly put a downer on the tournament because you can go to an event and if the terrain is awful, i.e., it's either badly built for wargaming or there's not enough of it or there's too much of it or if it's not right it can really put a damper on the games unfortunately clash of kings the the latest clash uk clash of kings was a bit of a downer in this regard because the terrain was absolutely beautiful but it was completely unplayable on certain tables like there were hills that were at a a 30 degree angle so you couldn't stick any units on them because they'd slide all the way to the bottom there were ruins that were fixed to the bases so while they're meant to be difficult terrain, you're mm-hmm. balancing units on top of on top of these built up um, built up ruins. So we are building all of the terrain for this event to make sure that it is um, extremely playable and it's also good looking mm-hmm. as well. Well, I mean, I think the key is that it's Kings of War specific, right? A lot yeah. of times people get into trouble and they like, oh, I have some terrain from Age of Sigmar or Warhammer Fantasy or whatever. And if you're if you're taking terrain that's not maybe designed for ranks and flanks, you know the playability might not be there. Aesthetically, it might be beautiful, but yeah. the, the playability and we'll, we'll touch on that in a little bit. But yeah, playability is important. It really is, and and that was exactly the problem with uh, with Clash of Kings is that the terrain they had was all made for Age of Sigma for models with small bases. They weren't expecting you to put massive bases in this terrain, and that's that's unfortunately what dragged it down. So so we just want to make sure that. Um, all the boards look fantastic, but also that uh, the terrain is is absolutely made for Kings of War. It is absolutely perfect for the game. It's important, I think. You know, in some in some senses, I look at it as my my responsibility as a tournament organizer to give people a a pretty table to play on. I mean, I'm expecting players to put the effort into their armies, and I all you know, I think. It, I should at least put in the effort with the table, right? So you bring the pretty armies and I give you the backdrop in which to, to to have these amazing experiences on. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so if, if we were talking about terrain from a gameplay perspective, like the perfect piece of terrain is a circle of paper with the word forest written on it. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Functional, right? It's it's functional. hundred percent functional. And uh, you know, it makes no gameplay difference, you know, to, to actually play in the game, it's it it is absolutely functional, um, but we're in a hobby, so we don't uh, we don't play with flat bases with 
unit written on it. We play with modelled units. The same should Absolutely. apply to terrain. Yeah. Well, should we get in and talk about some of the considerations? I mean, I know you've got, uh, you know, just hearing you speak, I'm just thinking, change, 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 <laughs> money, right? <laughs> that's, you know, uh, knowing what it goes into running. And if you're looking for 48 players, that's 24 tables. Yep. That's 24 mats. <laughs> yep. And I know the cost of mats are not cheap and oh yes, terrain. And so let's talk about some of those, some of those considerations. Sure. So, um, so in terms of costs, we had built up a floating balance in the Northern Kings PayPal accounts, and this came back through various things. Uh, so there was a little bit of underspend at events, so it, we took in a bit more than than we actually spent, which was never anticipated. We always intended to spend 100% or close to 100% of of whatever we took in ticket prices, but just a, particularly from last minute entries, you're not expecting to get that extra money, so you don't end up spending all of that. Um, but the big things has have been um, Elliot and I have both bought things for events and forgotten to take the money out of the accounts. And it's come to a few months later and we've gone, oh, actually, did, did, I, did I take the money out for that stuff I bought? And both of us have just said, you know what, I've already spent it, I've written it off, let's leave it in the account and we'll invest it in the future. And then the other big thing, is that we one of our last events, um, the venue never charged us for the tables. Now we emailed them three times to say, "We we've run this event, we've not paid for the tables. Can you send us an invoice?" And uh, just following up because we sent you this email a couple of weeks ago, we want to we want to pay for the we want to pay for the tables we hired. No response, and then we we emailed you twice now can you send us an invoice <laughs> at some point you just have to go all right i guess well yes yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean this is just a yeah like at any point up until the last year they could have they could have contacted and said we're really sorry but we never took this money and and we would have said right yep here you go you can have it but at this point we said fine we'll invest it into northern kings so we were back and forth on what we were gonna <clears throat> spend it on um and we settled on investing it on scenery, and also That's starting good, to buy good, some good mats. That's a good expense. Really you know? is, yeah. In terms of mats, though, what, what have you guys decided on a specific company? Have you guys talked to me about mats? So we're not buying all the mats. We don't have that. We don't have that much in the uh, in the account. Twenty four is a lot. Twenty four is a lot. But between the mats that we're buying and the mats that we own ourselves, because each of us have several mats ourselves. Uh, we have around 15 mats that we own between what we're buying and, and what we are, what we already own ourselves. Um, the rest we're borrowing either from, uh, there's a, a local shop, which is sponsoring the event and they've uh, offered us, I think another six mats. And then there's nice. other people who were, were borrowing mats from. Um, but in terms of the scenery, we're just saying, we're not borrowing scenery on something. We're just saying you're you're you're, we're, you're making it. Yep, we're we're making it. We'll borrow mats, but scenery we're doing it all. It's interesting because mats can be the most expensive piece when you're getting a tournament started. I know for the first Masters that we held and that I that I ran in Nashville, uh, we did something different where we just reached out to a mat uh, mat producer and worked out a good price. You know, kind of a mm -hmm. subsidy on their part, and then we offered those up to the players to say, "Hey, here's the deal." You're going to get this mat at this price, which is a good price. Yep. 
but you got to let us use it for the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> and at the end of the weekend, it's yours. You know, and, and, and I had to do that a couple times before I could get to a point where I think now I have 30 mats, you know, but it takes a long to your point. They're not they're not cheap, even when they're discounted. No. And so mm-hmm. it takes a while to build up that, you know, that stock. Exactly. But once you get there, uh, it's fantastic. But you know, on the way, it can be a bumpy road. So sounds like you've got mats covered. So that's awesome. Yep. Yeah, uh, mats are fully covered. We're we're confident with mats. Um, we think we've probably got like way more than we need now. Actually, uh, we've had so many people offer to to lend them. But one of the things you want to do is, is to borrow from as few people as possible, which just makes all the organization easier. Uh, hopefully, people have like you know use a silver sharpie on the back side of their mat, written mm-hmm. their name and on the bag. And then what we would typically do would be we would wrap the the, the mat or the bag under the table. You know, and yeah. so it stays with the mat because yeah, you, the last thing you want to do is number one, you don't want to lose someone's mat, and number two, you don't want it to get damaged. You don't want people yeah. throwing coffee on it or or whatever else that could happen. I mean, we're, we're getting uh, beer mats printed just to make sure that people don't put drinks awesome. down on the mats and stuff. But I got to ask, you're buying all these mats. Where the heck are you going to store them? You guys live in the UK. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So UK houses are generally not big to say the least. Uh, I think we have the, the smallest houses in Europe, and those are even smaller than U.S. houses significantly. Um, so we don't generally have storage. I am very lucky in that I moved house last year, and that house came with a workshop. So that workshop is being used for storage. I remember the first time that was over in the U.S., and I uh, played at the Lady of the Lake tournament, and it amazed me on the, I think, Friday night where we went to set up the venue and Chris Kapsner just kept pulling out crates after crates mm-hmm. after crates of terrain and then boards and all the rest of it um, that he just had in his basement because we don't have basements in the UK usually. Or if we do, they're damp and nasty and mm-hmm. you don't Last really place want you to store mat. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Terrain you could start on there, stick it in a plastic crate, seal it. It'll be fine, mm-hmm. but you don't want to store a map down there. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm lucky that I've got this workshop. So uh, set it up with garage storage, uh, garage shelving, and <clears throat> that's more than enough storage. Um, I also came into possession of a whole bunch of very large, really useful boxes. That's a win. Those are not cheap. So they are not cheap. cheap. No, uh, they're not cheap. Um, my mother's business wrapped up after the pandemic, Um she didn't go out of business, but she just decided to call it quits and 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 move on. Um, and so I acquired a whole host of uh, boxes from that. Well, something you know, something terrible transformed into something beneficial. So yeah. you know, something good came out of it, which is which is a positive. Because like I say, she, a- she didn't go she didn't go out of business or anything like that. It was just a decision to to yeah. wrap things up and and move into retirement. But you know, really useful boxes or any of those really nice plastic containers. Yeah, that that really will make your terrain last a lot longer because absolutely it, it protects it from the bumps and the bruises and the stacking and the hauling. And you mm. know, um, I, I tell you, it goes a long way if you just take the time to, to spend a little bit of time just making sure things are protected. They'll last. Now there are those gamers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, you 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 know who we're talking about. You know, you know, we're talking about you if you're listening to this. Those gamers are just like they'll snap, snap trees, or you know. So uh, it'll happen. They'll they'll be damaged along the way, but it, it's fine. We can we, we build it's character. It builds character. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it builds character. 
Well, that's good storage. Sounds like it's not as big of an issue for you then. That's because that's, you know, a big thing. You know, if you've got 24 tables and you've got 20 plus terrains and, and a whole bunch of mats, it's good mm-hmm. you have a place to store. Because, I mean, a lot of a lot of some of the bigger events that have been playing for a while or been going for a while end up having to rent space. And that's not another needless cost if you can avoid it. Yeah. So, so yeah, I'm very lucky in that regard. Let's talk about the venue. So where 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 is this at? So this is being held at uh, the Osset War Memorial Club, which is a um, a general event space in Osset. Um, it's used for weddings and birthdays and things like that. Um, now the reason that we've gone for that, so in the UK, it is overwhelmingly likely that if you go to a tournament, it is going to be in a gaming venue of some sort. Element uh, games, place, element games, yeah. mm-hmm. um, fire games, whoever. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know that that comes into the whole storage things. So people don't have enough space in the houses to store tons of terrain and the cost of building terrain, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but something that jumped out to us when we were first sort of starting to plan uh, Northern Kings GT is that venue cost in the UK has increased dramatically. Now there was always a, a very large gap between the cost of hiring a gaming venue and hiring a third-party venue, especially when you start adding in things like hiring an actual table, an actual six-by-four table for for someone to, to game on. Um, but, the, but the cost of table hiring venues has gone up sharply. Now, I can't blame them. You know, they're a business that they're trying to, trying to make up for, uh, for lost time during the pandemic. Um but the gap had shrunk enough and we had the storage space and the budget to build the terrain that we decided, you know what, we'd like to hire a really nice third-party venue that we have complete control over. You know, we're not beholden to, to anyone else. We're not going to be sharing it with uh, with anyone else. It's not going to be any any other gamers coming in and, uh, and disrupting things. Um, that we decided, you know what, we're going to go for a third-party venue. So we found the uh, the Osset War, War Memorial Community Centre. I think you've hit something that's really important is that if you're running a tournament, you want everything to be in your control, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes when you hire gaming venues or, or uh, stores right here in the U.S., yeah. you know, there's, you know, well, we don't open until 12 or we, you know, there's there's considerations that come with that. Uh, but the fact that you guys have a venue, that means you're in total control and you can start the event. You can set up when you're ready. And yeah. Uh, and, and I think too, there's something to be said with, as you say, a lot of, a lot of events are at the typical place, the places that everybody knows about the element games, right? The fact that you're not there differentiates you and yeah. it's something different. And I think that's, that's a good thing, right? You know? Yeah. The, the other benefit is that um, we also get to hire it in the evening as well. So we, we said that we're putting on the uh, the pizza and the, the quiz and stuff. Well, it's back at the venue again. So, um, yes, yeah, it's a really nice place. We're, we're really looking forward to it. But before you get there, you got to build some terrain. I do have to build some terrain. <laughs> I am building some terrain, yes. <laughs> yeah, and now let me ask you, is anybody else in the – okay, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna make it I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> hypothesize here. That yeah. You're like me, and you you would reject any assistance from other Northern Kings because you wanted the terrain to be perfect. I have been asking for assistance. Okay. There All has, right. Um so so Paul was meant to be coming over for a weekend um a couple of weeks ago. Um but unfortunately 
I uh, I caught COVID just before it, and then I was behind on university work, and I still wasn't 100% better, so I had to cancel that, and unfortunately, we've not rearranged it. Um, so I am asking, so, so we are planning on having uh, a weekend or two where we, mm-hmm. uh, where we build terrain collectively, but in the meantime, I'm cracking on. Um, but like you say, I will want the terrain to be perfect, so I will be going around inspecting everybody's work. And if it's done, <laughs> that's like, right. You're not personal you're not standards. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're not going to assume it's done correctly. You'll make sure. You'll check I will make sure. Done. Trust they and verify. Will, they they will hate me by the end of the weekend, but I will make sure that it gets done. One question I've always a- that I like to ask people is, you know, there's there's a couple of thoughts on terrain, and I'm curious to hear hear your discussion on or your answer to this. Um, one is crazy narrative awesome unique tables right Mm -hmm. that really tell a a a visual story other side would be from a balance standpoint the tables can look different but they function all the same in the sense that like if you have your forest based on a size footprint they all have the same footprint uh, and they all and so i where did you fall in that because i've I've been on both sides of the you know both both directions but where are you falling on that so, so we discussed this uh, at the start. Um, I, I was undecided. I thought that the others would rather we have the same terrain on every table. And what we were actually planning on doing is is having the same number of pieces on the table with the same footprint, as you say. Um, but to mix the tables up, what we were going to do is uh, print a map for each round. And each round has a specific map. So you might move table and it might be a different theme but the pieces are going to move around. So you are going to be playing on a different layout. Um, but ultimately what, what we decided is that we would go for more thematic, um, thematic builds. Now, you guys are actually, soft. <laughs> <laughs> there has to be a balancing act with this because building yeah. thematic terrain takes a long time compared to generic mm-hmm. terrain. And this is already taking a long time to build. Um, but we are varying up the number of pieces on on each board and and the sizes of them and stuff. Yeah, it's it's interesting. People say, well, "How many pieces should you have?" It depends. <laughs> it depends how big they are, right? It depends on what you're going for. Sometimes an extra forest can make all the difference. Absolutely, yeah. the river can just piss off the players, right? You know, <laughs> it just depends on what you know what you're going for. Do you go for two large pieces of blocking terrain? Do you go for three smaller ones? Do you? And mm-hmm. they all make. Uh, very different battlefields. But overall, across 24 tables, uh, we're looking at about 500 individual pieces of terrain to build. Um, that's including all the different bases for them. So uh, so we're doing obstacle bases. So it's, there'll be an obstacle and there'll be a base underneath it, counting Absolutely. that as two separate pieces for the 500 individual yep. pieces. Uh, need about 150 trees. That's not going to be fun to build but are you are you building from scratch trees uh no no not okay. not building from scratch but okay uh, all right because I'll, I'll, I'll be the first to tell you that you're a crazy person if you're doing because <laughs> you can I, just buy railroad trees and put them on bases right like you don't have to go to that i've, I've had this argument with paul <laughs> yeah um so i'm leaning towards a mixture so there'll be some which mm-hmm. are um built so we've I uh, just bought a crate full of the mantic trees, which are really the, good. The, the plastic ones from Terrain yep. Crate. Yep. The oh, awesome! Crate awesome. Um, yeah, be awesome. So, a ton of them. I'm going to be doing it with foliage and stuff because um, to to fit in with like the the 
usual green fields mats that you get. Um, but others will be will just be bare plastic, well, painted, painted bare plastic. Um, but the reason that we got with those ones is that the, the Mantic ones are just so durable. Like they're just solid, they're solid plastic. You, that's, you're that's speaking it. to the choir. Yeah, I mean, also, I, I have built you know, trees from scratch and those are the first ones that get broken. <laughs> right. Yeah. Cause you know, you're using balsa wood or basswood or whatever. Yeah. Trunk, it's like, no matter how Instance. careful people are, they're just, they they're, can stop. they're just not made for that kind of durability. So and now on the forest, I'm assuming you have a base and then you've got yeah. three or four, six individually based trees that drop on that and you pull those off for, for playability. Yeah. That's, that's it. That's exactly what we're doing. I'm assuming all this train work, you've allowed yourself to buy some new tech. Mm-hmm. Some new equipment, right? Because absolutely, you have to have the cool stuff, right? Oh, definitely. Um, so there's all these all these tools that I would have loved to have had in the past, but it was difficult to justify because I only used them on like one or two small projects. But I'm using this as an excuse to buy lots of lots of toys for myself. Um, so, for example, I've bought a scroll saw, which has made cutting the MDF bases an absolute breeze. Um, yeah, because you can even you can even angle it, right? You can already start yeah. start the bevel. What what yeah, thickness it, of MDF are you guys using? Three millimeters. Is, so that's like an eighth of an inch. Yes, around? eighth of an okay. inch. Yeah. Okay. Um. Now you can cut MDF with uh, with a Stanley knife. It can be done, and for like one small set of terrain, that's fine. For two sets, it's a bit of a pain. For three, it starts to get too much. So. Without buying a scroll saw, like this project just wouldn't be wouldn't be. Feasible. No, I mean you could you could do a jigsaw, right? Like a little, but the yeah. scroll saw is nice because it's it's much more fine, and you can mm-hmm. you can do very intricate cuts. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it's 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 definitely it's my tool of choice as well for MDF. Yeah. I, I typically fall to like a quarter of an inch, just because I, I use so much glue and slather, so much texture on that mm-hmm. I, I end up warping <laughs> if I only <laughs> use like an eighth of an inch. So, um, but I've yeah, I've never had a problem with that. Like I know people say talk about it, but I've uh, no, I've never had yeah, that I don't, Maybe 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 our MDF is different too than than it possibly yeah. in the UK possibly. Um, and, I, and I've been told, well, once you get it sanded and stuff, we'll seal it <laughs> before you start <laughs> gluing the stuff down, which which is probably smart as well. But you know, people that are making terrain, the number one tip is put an MDF, put it on an MDF base, yeah. because if you don't want your hill to be totally destroyed, put it on a base and give it like yeah. an inch lip. Problem solved. It, like it is, it'll it will survive the uh, you know an earthquake. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. So we'll come to specific materials later. But like, if you make a hill out of styrofoam, what styrofoam is great at is it is generally tough. But what it doesn't deal well with is dings against like a corner of something, and that just takes a uh, that just takes a chunk out of the styrofoam. But if you if it's on a base and it gets bashed against something. The base takes the hit, not the styrofoam. Absolutely, absolutely. So, what what other tools? I mean, certainly you didn't just buy an MDF. Oh no, or, no, no, uh, no, a scroll no. saw. You have other tools, right? That you purchased. Yeah. So, uh, a decent glue gun. I was using a, a fairly cheap, rubbish, nasty glue gun beforehand. Um, I've just bought a, a, a really nice new one. Um, it's amazing how much of a difference that makes. Like when when I would pull the trigger on my old one, you could feel the shell of it coming apart. Mm-hmm. It's funny, right? Like when you, yeah. when you got like a quality group gun, you're like, "Wow, this is night and day. This is not." Anything. Yeah, you pull the gun and it, it gives you a nice ooze of hot melt glue. It's yeah, yeah. It doesn't doesn't string everywhere. It's 
well, not as much anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've um, I've also bought some static grass applicators, which so are these from Luke APS's company or no, the ones you recommend. They're the ones you recommend. So they're from WW Scenics, which is okay. in the UK. Um, awesome. And they do a pack of three, which I bought because why not at that point? So well, they have the, one that's real fine too, right? That's really cool to get in close. Yeah. So there's there's the the three of them there's the there's the fine one that you say which is which will be useful for like kings of war bases and stuff um and then there's a a large one for doing huge open areas of, of scenery and then they do a flock box which is used for um uh static grass tufts mm-hmm. so uh, put the paper down dab glue and then yeah drop you you hold it over yeah. the top of the static box and all the all the grass shoots up into the tuft rather than sort of being dropped that's awesome from uh, the shaker well and, and you know building you know first of all having a static grass applicator for putting large expanses of static grass down on terrain is huge mm-hmm. but also making your own tufts you know the, it opens up a world of possibilities for colors and different you know the world is your oyster <laughs> absolutely yeah yeah what else have you purchased so materials as well um again i'm using this as an excuse to uh, to pad out my workshop so i'm buying way above what I'll be using in this terrain. Um, so for things like static grass, um, WW Scenics may uh, sell one litre canisters of static grass, which I'm probably not going to use on this, On <clears throat> I'm not going to use all of it on this terrain, but um, I bought tons of varieties on it. I spent about £300 on static grass and foliage and stuff. That's going in the workshop. I'll work out a percentage of like, have I used about 20% of that on? Northern Kings terrain, then I'll claim that much back from the Northern Kings. It's accounts. funny in the US, we've got a company called Scenery Express. It's for model railroading. And yeah, I buy I buy static grass by the pound. It's yeah, twenty seven dollars, <laughs> and a pound lasts a really long time. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, even if I'm going crazy and building four or five tables, like it'll still last me a couple of years because mm. <laughs> it is a lot of grass. People yep. don't realize <laughs> it's a lot of grass. <laughs> you know. So I can only imagine uh, you're, uh, you're accumulating quite a collection. But, it, but it'll mean that, like, if I've got a random uh, random hobby project um, and I'm doing some random bases, I think, oh, I could do with some winter, winter static grass. I can just pop down to the workshop and I've got a canister of it exactly. ready to go. There's something to be said with being self-sufficient in the sense that you've got your own little uh, grocery store there of all the, all yeah. the materials you need. Because <laughs> nothing worse than needing something and then having to, like, Okay, well, no one sells it. I got to order it. It's going to be three weeks, blah, 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 blah. Just yeah. have everything you need. Yep. For any possible, you know, anything that should arise. What other tools? Uh, rotary tool center, like a Dremel. I'm sure that's that's real handy for doing the edges of the MDF and rounding those over. Yep. So, uh, so bought a ro- uh, rotary tool, um, which is Dremel, but not a not with the uh, Dremel brand name. Um, and yeah, I'm just using that for sanding. I am starting to experiment a little bit with using it for carving. Um, so I've come up with a technique to possibly make some mushroom forests um, by carving out mushrooms from styrofoam, which awesome. just needs a little bit more practice, but I think I can I can do it. Um, but the main thing that I'm using it at the moment for is sanding. So uh, the scroll saw is great, but it leaves a very rough edge. It does. It um, does. Which just needs which just needs sanding back a little bit, and then the other thing is that if you cut the MDF at a forty five degree angle on the 
scroll saw to get that beveled edge, it leaves a very sharp edge at the bottom. And I know people say that paper cuts hurt. Wood cuts hurt even more than that. Absolutely. So just using it to take the edge off that is is great. Mm-hmm. It's one of the things. I could use sandpaper for it, and I could sand it manually, but the rotary tool just makes it a breeze. It's, it it really is just well. It, even if you even if you you want to sand at the last the last little bit, it takes you all almost all the way there, right? Like yeah. you can just it, it's no no effort at all. You're just using a big. I'm assuming just using like a big sanding drum or something. Yeah. You no, know, they're they're great, and you can you know again go on Amazon. You can buy a hundred sanding drums for yeah. <laughs> nine dollars or something, and you're good. You're good for a while. Yeah. It's one of those things you, you think. Oh, I'm, I'm really getting through these sanding drums. I best. Uh, Best be careful with them. Then you look at Amazon, and yeah, it's hundred for not very much at all. You're exactly. Like, what about foam? I know you're going to be doing working. You're working with foam a lot. What did you buy anything yep. for that? Styrofoam. Oh, uh, so I bought a hot the hot wire cutter. So uh, people go on about the uh, Proxon hot wire cutter table. What's um, Oof, I didn't nice. get did it get that one, but I got a different branded one. Um, but a table which, table's nice. A table table can yeah. do a lot of things. Absolutely. Um, Now, a lot of it, it's not anything that I couldn't do before. So making all those cuts and stuff I could do with a sharp knife. Um, But the speed of it is uh, definitely not something that I could could do. Uh, It's also really useful for when I need to do perfect 90-degree cuts, which is near impossible with a knife. Like you think, if I uh, use this uh, this block as a guide, I'll get that perfect – 90 degree cut you you do not you never get that that perfect mm-hmm. cut um and the other thing that the table came with was a uh, a circle template so i could cut cylinders and um uh cones out of styrofoam if i need to so doing things like watchtowers it's really fantastic. useful fantastic yeah sounds like you've got a major upgrade on the workshop definitely it was uh, a good excuse as any it's you know it's things that i'd always kind of wanted to buy and couldn't either before I moved didn't have the space or it was difficult to justify with number of projects, but uh, it just makes sense when I'm when I'm doing this. Now, in terms of materials, I, I got to ask: Are you using a lot of three D printed stuff, or you're going old school for most of this? And we're going to be using foams and woods and natural textures. Uh, old school. Considering I'm considering using the three D printers for some detail, in particular when it comes to things like buildings. And the other thing is that I've uh, just bought another plastic printer because um, I got rid of my last one. Uh, when it broke um, was it misbehaving <laughs> it was misbehaving um and i'm consider i'm considering using that to make like uh elf towers where they've got like uh almost vase shapes mm-hmm. it'd be um, hard to make that but it would be hard to replicate that from scratch almost right? impossible and, to, and there's some do, durability do... issues there too so yeah uh if you did it styrofoam i don't think you'd have durability issues but certainly uh to be able to do and make it look good I think it'd be very difficult in in uh, styrofoam. I think too. Uh, you know, I think three uh, D printing. I, I like three D printing for some things like blocking terrain, just from the mm-hmm. sense that it does allow. If you're making a lot of terrain, it's like a concession, but you can speed up in one area, and that allows you to put some maybe more time somewhere else that you want to. Yeah, you know, on your hills or on your trees. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's uh, all the stuff I've done so far is is old school. Um, so using MDF basing and styrofoam for uh, any natural landscapes. Uh, in terms of the basic material, we discussed that MDF is just the best. Foamed PVC is something that's come up. Yeah, we call it Sintra here. It's amazing, Sintra, right? Sintra, yeah. Yeah, you it's, can use it. It's really man. good. 
for especially for buildings and stuff. So um, mm-hmm. obviously, people used to use or, or, and still do use foam board a lot. Um, yeah. But foam PVC is just straight up better than foam board. It's it's foam board, but without or the plastic. drawbacks of exactly. foam. Yeah. Um, but in terms of using it for a basic material, some people have talked about doing it. I strongly disagree with it because it doesn't no. have any it, weight to it. Yeah, I think it might warp too over time with heat and stuff. I don't know. I, I, now, to be fair, I've Possibly. never, I've never used it. Never used it for long, for long terms. Possibly the the big problem is uh, terrain needs a bit of weight to it, so it doesn't go mm-hmm. like if you if you nudge an MDF piece, it's going to pretty much stay where it is. If you nudge a foam PVC piece, it goes flying off the table. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you're using lots of lots of styrofoam. Uh, we're using the uh, the high density stuff, the builders mm-hmm. grade stuff. I'm assuming. Yep. Yep. Same here. Um, it's also sold as insulation here in the UK. It's actually. From everything I can tell, it's it's more difficult to get hold of in the UK. But there's uh, it looks like really... it. I watched terrain yeah. videos and stuff, and it seems like they, you guys have to jump through more hoops. We just go to yeah. the local Home Depot. Hard part for us is getting it in our car because <laughs> you're four by eight <laughs> sheet, you know, taking the knife and cutting it down. And no, no, we, we don't have any uh, we don't have any big chains that sell it like that. So you got to you got to order it from somewhere. Um, there are shops that will sell it, but it's it's more difficult to get hold of certainly. Um, Using a lot of plywood at the moment for things like fences and uh, any co- any kind of wooden constructs. Uh, it doesn't look as good as balsa wood um, when you're doing that sort of stuff, but it is so much more durable. And it while it is more expensive, again, we're looking for durability with this terrain, so it's right. it's well worth the cost. It's got to last year to year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm using a lot of polyfiller and Luke's modeling compound. Um, Sculptable, so, you call it in the US, but yeah, same sort of thing where it's got some some uh fiber and you know it's water soluble yeah. fiber slash plaster mixed together, and you can do some really great stuff with that. Absolutely fantastic stuff. Um sculptable, we used to be able to get over here quite easily and it was it was really cheap, but then uh for some reason, since the pandemic, you cannot get hold of it in the UK and it costs like a hundred quid for a bag now. Holy cow! That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, loose modeling compound—it's it, got the same properties, right? Like it's—it's it's... pretty much yeah. Uh, so the the um, the fibers are a lot tougher; they're a lot harder. So it's it's more difficult to initially sculpt into place, but once it's set, it's it's exactly the same, um, and it's readily available. So like, it, well, I have a slight preference for sculptor mold. Um, Luke's modeling compound is still fantastic stuff and it's available. So there's, there's no choice there. Uh, for basing, basing materials, uh, sand and gravel. Um, I'm using a lot of sand. Sometimes you see people on forums in wargaming saying, oh, don't go and buy wargaming sand for, for basing or terrain and stuff. You know, the, the sand that's got some nice gravel and stuff mixed in as well for some variety of texture to say instead you should go and buy like a bag of playground sand for a couple of quid and i'm sat there thinking but if you buy that playground sand you get one size grain of sand yeah you can't so you dry any brush variety it. you can't <laughs> right. dry brush it yeah um you've got to dry it out first before you use it and then you've got a five kilogram bag at least sat there and you use a cup full of it and it's just mm-hmm. just spend a couple of quid on ga- on gaming sand. In this in this circumstance, though, it's made sense to buy in bulk. Obviously, I actually got really lucky with this. Uh, I went to the so I had a five kilogram bag, and I thought, oh, that'll be plenty. 
<laughs> it was not enough. So no. I went to uh, went to the local uh, went to the local store, and because I don't drive, I was I was on foot and uh, had to weigh up what I could actually physically carry back with me. The biggest that I could get was a five kilogram bag. The next was like twenty kilograms, and there's no way I can carry that back to back to my house. So I bought one of the five kilogram bags, which is brightly coloured playground sand. It's like bright orange playground sand, but once painted, that's that's not an issue. No mm-hmm. Took it to the till, and it scanned in as ten p for some reason. Well, that's fifteen not, uh... cents. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, that's, that's someone smiling yeah. down, right? Like, I'll take it. Here you go. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going yeah, to point it out. <laughs> yeah, there's lots of great, great, great materials for uh, for basing. I, I've used crushed uh, walnut shells, which you, they use mm-hmm. for sandblasting, and you can yeah. get those in different diameters. And um, you can also just buy ballast or you know gravel, as you yeah. say, from any of the model railroad shops. And and I've started to use a little bit of a uh, grout for um, tile. No, it, yeah, that's a much finer. That's a much finer. Um, yeah, I've seen that uh, used. Material. I've not. I've not yeah. played with it yet, though. Yeah, it's it's great. Just you know, uh, I, I I'm a big fan of the key is texture, right? The more textures you apply, the more realistic it looks. And so, just you know, lots and lots of variety is a spice of life. Yeah, you know, for trees, there's so as we discussed, going with the mantic trees. There's a couple of other options. There's the Model railway trees that you say the cheapest chips, but I I don't like how they look. I want to eat something. A, you get, a if you buy different. the cheap ones, they you're absolutely right. Like if you buy the ones that are like they come in bulk, they're not very good. But they're, yeah. here in the U.S., we have a company called Bachman, and mm-hmm. uh, their trees are a little bit better. They're they're a little, yeah, a little bit more, I've... a little bit higher quality. They can they, and they have the metal, you know, trunk and uh, mm-hmm. just look a little bit better. But I, I agree with you. If you buy the Especially if you go on eBay and buy them from China, right? Like, oh they yeah, are, yeah, like, they're horrendous. They, 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 they are the very much the um, the the one you bought from Wish. I mean, exactly. brought to life. They're absolutely awful. The other option was the woodland scenic armatures. Uh, they can look fantastic, um, but they do take some work on them. Luke uh, from Luke's APS, he's got a fantastic t- tutorial on how to make them look fun- look amazing and uh, really durable. But it's a lot of work, and he was saying that like it took two guys several days to make like 50 of them and right. i need to make 150 yep you need to so, be quick yeah <laughs> you need to be quicker yeah yeah i mean the magic trees are a great choice i think they're you know they really are and the, paint them up, the, the, the trunks themselves won't bust and you can you mm-hmm. can add foliage foliage if you if you want yeah and even if the foliage falls off them they'll look fantastic at that point regardless absolutely um, for glues, I use a glue gun for general um, styrofoam work and uh, and and things. Um, so it's not an absolute permanent bond with a glue gun. But what I find is that once you start sealing everything, it's it's all glued together properly anyway. So that doesn't matter so much. But it's really useful in terms of it, it's just an instant stick. Whereas if I was to use wood glue or something, then I've got to wait for each layer to properly dry before I can... Yep. Sort of start start working on the next the next bits. I use Mod Podge instead of PVA. It is a lot more expensive than PVA. It is also worth every single penny. You start using Mod Podge and you can really tell the difference. I don't know what it is. I, th- I think some people have tried to explain it to me several times and, and I've never fully remembered, but all I know is that it sets absolutely rock solid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is worth every single penny. That's great. It's great for coating foam too, right? Yeah. Protecting it from the aerosols or 
what whatever you may hit it with, it might actually eat want to eat the foam. So absolutely, it's, yeah, it's a great coat. Yeah. Um, should we on some techniques then? Yeah, for sure. So obviously, a project of this scale, this this is straight up the the biggest hobby project I've ever worked on. Nothing comes close to, to sort of how much I'm actually building for this. Um, so the big thing is actually planning. So taking a, so taking inventory of how many battle mats I've got, and I came up with a checklist of this is how many items that I need to build, and this is how many of each type in each theme that I need to build. Now, some of that I'm going to be a bit flexible on. Like I say, I started experimenting perhaps with uh, mushroom forests, which I'll swap out if if uh, I get that technique nailed. But um, what I want to do is make sure that I have terrain suitable for each mat. So we've all been nothing worse. Today. Nothing worse than showing up with like desert terrain and sticking it on an verdant field, right? Like exactly. Doesn't yeah, doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. And and as time goes by, and you have you own more and more of the mats, you'll be you know you're in more control. But it's probably smart starting with well, what mats am I going to have, right? And then yep. going from there. Yeah. So the the hobby shop that's sponsoring us and providing a ton of mats, um, they're all the green grass mats. So it's just. Well, that's that's easy. I just do, you know, seven or eight sets of. It makes it easy too from a batch yeah. perspective, right? Like, oh, I'm going to do ten tables of this color. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, I can, you know, even if the pieces are all individual, you know, just yeah. the fact that you're using the same materials and stuff, it, it does uh, speed things up. Absolutely. Um, so you mentioned it there, batch production. This is a big thing. Um, it's the same as when we're painting an army. If you paint one minute at a time, it takes forever. But if you paint 100 of the same minis, it's much, much faster. It doesn't seem like it would – you wouldn't think that it would take that that much longer. When you think about sort of the time it takes to swap paints, in this case swap tools or swap your general mindset of what, what you're actually building, it makes a huge difference. So I'm not making one hill at a time. I'm making 40 hills. I'm not making six trees at a time. I'm making 100 of them. Um, now, it would be great if I could get the rest of Northern Kings round for – a weekend and we could set up a proper, you know, factory assembly line, but uh, I'll make do in the time being until we have that weekend to finish everything off. When it comes to the bases, so for the trees, I've bought laser cut bases because as much as I love the scroll saw, there's no way that I'm cutting out 150 small. Oh, just round, round, round bases. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. And yeah, we, t- we touched on how I build the bases generally to trace the outline onto MDF. Um, that's just with a you know a permanent marker, and then cut it with the scroll saw at a forty-five degree angle. Absolutely impossible to cut that many bases with uh, a heavy-duty standing knife. I think my arm would die if I tried mm. to do that. Um, and then use the ro- the rotor tool to sand the edges. Do you have a set of make- patterns like for hills and stuff like that? I found over the years, like I end up going, I have a set of patterns, and it's like. Okay, this is the size hill that I like, and I have I have it, and I just lay it down and draw, you know, trace it and cut it. Um, have you ever no, got to that no, point yet? Okay. No specific pattern. What I did was take a, uh, a two by four of styrofoam and just cut. You know, I think I've fit about twenty hill shapes on there. Some of them round, some of them kitten shaped. What thickness of a foam are you using? Are you using like one inch? So for hills, two yes, inch? one inch, 20, 25 millimeters. Gotcha. Um, one of the things that we're going to be providing players with at the GT is a uh, block for, for stairs. A, mm-hmm. a hill, a, block. a little a one inch block. That's cool. Yep, specifically calibrated for our hills. Absolutely. Well, you know, it's funny. You know, I would say aesthetically, those really big hills look awesome, but number one, they're harder to play with, and number mm-hmm. two, they're a hell of a time to pack. 
yep. in the store. <laughs> so like there is something to be said with, you know, a little concession there. Let's just make our heels one inch tall, right? Yeah. They still definitely. look great. Yeah, they still look great. Um, for sealing, uh, this is really important with terrain. Um, sealing all of your basic material down, sealing sealing all of the uh, the sand material down. Because even if it's even if it seems well stuck on when you first build it and paint it, it will gradually erode over time if you don't seal it properly. Um, and especially with you know what's going to be a heavy duty mass of terrain, I really need to consider durability. So the technique. Uh, that I use for sealing things is to have two spray bottles. One of them is filled with wet water, which is water with a bit of dish soap in it. And the other one is filled with heavily watered down Mod Podge. And like, like 50% 50, 50, 50, or even more like uh, 75, 25, 75, water. 25. Okay. Maybe, maybe even, even more than that. Because it it has to go through spray bottles, so it has to be really mm-hmm. really thin. Uh, you have a special spray bottle, or you, I mean, because I, I find the Woodland Scenics makes some spray bottles that are designed for thicker materials. Or you're just using you went to the grocery store and bought. Yeah, we just, uh, went to the hardware okay. store and bought two two uh, awesome. garden spray bottles. Um, what you do is you spray the terrain with the wet water first, and get it almost dripping wet. And then you spray the Mod Podge on. And what that does is the water um, makes it so the Mod Podge just doesn't sit on the surface. It, it gives a capillary action. It, it yeah. brings it right down. and Brings it right the, down. Yeah. Gets I've also seen wet water where, where they, people have added alcohol for the same, yeah. for the same thing. Um, but, yeah, definitely, definitely pre-wet stuff if you're trying to, yeah. trying to soak it with Mod Podge. <laughs> you don't want it sitting all on the surface. You need it down in there. Tying all those pieces of grain, you know, all those pieces of sand together. But you, you see, especially with uh, with static grass, where you, um, if you try and spray it onto dry static grass, it just bubbles up and it stays in like a ball on top. The the um, the mod podge, no matter how much you thin it down, it'll just bead up on top of the on top of the grass. But if you soak the grass first and then spray. Even if you just put a couple of drops in it, you see the the capillary action. You see the mod podge just spread out mm-hmm. and cover everything. Um, the other technique that people have asked me about is how I make all of my rocks, um, things like the cliff face and stuff. It is actually a really simple technique, and as much as I've racked my brains about it, I can't think of how to put it into words and how to just describe it. Uh, essentially, it's just carving away a rough rock form by digging a knife in, tearing chunks out, and then going in with a stone afterwards. Um, now, what I'm going to be doing is recording a uh, demonstration of this on the Northern Kings channel. Um, so that will be going up at some point in the future. Um, particularly because um, we have the big prize at the Northern Kings GT which I realise that I've not mentioned up to this point, and I meant to mention it earlier. Um, so we have our overall winner who gets the gets the trophy. They get all the glory. And because we're a Mantic-sponsored event, they get a free ticket to uh, Clash of Kings, which is great. Um, but D-Cut Studios are sponsoring the event, and they are sen- they're sending us a free gaming mat. They are so good, you know that. Yeah, like I, I love D Cut Studios so much. They over the years, I've gotten a few mats from them, and they sent us dice trays one year, and they're just yep, very supportive. 
Absolutely, they're sending us dice trays as well, so we're really looking forward to it. Um, but they sent, they sent us a mat to be given away as a prize. Um, now we figure that the overall winner, they get the trophy, they get the glory, that's enough. Instead, we're doing a prize draw for the mat. And we're not just doing the mats, we're doing a set of scenery to go with it. Well, that's nice. People are going to play on it over the weekend and then someone's yep. going to take it home? Awesome. It's going to be on table one. It's going to be the best-looking scenery, um, best-looking uh, uh, set of terrain at the event. Well, they're all going to look great. Is, oh, they're all going to look great. But, but one's, but one's going to be the cream of the crop, the bell of the ball. Absolutely, yes. But I'm, I'm going to be recording the entire build process for the terrain, so it's going to be uh, swamp-themed uh, sort of uh, sunken ruins into into uh, swamps. I'm going to be build, building the there, recording the build process, including all the different techniques I'm using. And the rock technique will be part of that. It's like I say, it's really simple. And I wish I could explain it well, but I, I can't. Well, you, 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 I think you're using a, an actual rock to texture the foam. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that works really well. Also, a big ball of uh, aluminum foil crumpled yes. up can also do the same sort of thing. Um, works in small doses. Yeah. But when you're yeah. doing lots of terrain, it's. Uh, it loses all the sharp juggly bits and it compresses into an actual ball. And so it loses the texture that you get when you, when you're pressing it in. Awesome. Sounds like you got to, uh, are you going to have enough time? This thing is just a few months away. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> two months, two months. Um, I, I could really do with the weekend where the rest of the guys come round. We'll, uh, I'll keep nudging them. Um, but uh, I've actually just just uh, accepted a new job and I've got a two-week gap in between finishing up my current job and starting a new job. So I'm going to have two oh, weeks of man. working two weeks. flat out. On... You, can, you can get half the tables done. Exactly. Yeah. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. So, yeah. Um, so looking towards the future, um, the thing that this is going to give us at the end is that we have this resource, this set of terrain that we can draw on. So we have gone so many times to venues to run an event and we've been worried about the terrain that they'll have, uh, whether it'll be suitable, whether it'll be playable, whether it'll be playable for Kings of War. In the future, even if we're rocking up to a gaming venue, we're going to take our own terrain. So it just crosses off one. It's one it's, element, you know, you know, one variable you don't have to worry about. Exactly. You've got, you've got terrain and and also the fact that you've designed it specifically for Kings of War and aesthetically it's beautiful. You know, it'll just make the experience that much better for the players. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, but it, it also extends out to the rest of the UK. Um because it's we can lend it out to other events as well. So Mantic in particular, they've discussed running Clash of Kings in a non gaming venue. So thinking about hiring a hotel and uh, or hotel Ooh, that sounds uh, exciting. Event room, yeah, yeah, that sounds um, exciting. But their concern, as always, was what about terrain? Well, Northern Kings can provide twenty-four tables worth. That's half of Clash of Kings mm-hmm. sorted just there. So it's uh, it'll be a really good resource, we think, for the rest of the communities to to draw on if they're coming up shy on terrain. Um, now, if we're not going to the to the tournament, we'll say. You need to come and collect it, but we have this resource that you can use as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but let's be honest: if they're having a tournament, there's another king going. Possibly, possibly. We've not been going as much recently. Um, Elliot has uh, had a very, very pregnant wife for a long time and uh, has a newborn 
the moment. So uh, that's been a struggle for him. Um, Adam uh, has a family at the moment as well, so he's he's struggling a bit to go to events. Um, and for the rest of us, it, the the events just haven't really lined up for us. So we've, we've not been going to as many as you'd think. So you're rusty, is what you're saying? Oh, certainly. If you if you see my <laughs> uh, <laughs> my recent event performance, like people uh, people still see me at uh, at the start of the game and like really worried. Oh no, I'm going up against Nick Williams, and then. So have you have you seen my recent performance at tournaments? I'm mid table at best now. <laughs> well, I thought ogres mid. You automatically had to be top table. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Scottish GT. Okay. Yeah, I was pretty much bang on mid table there. Went in with uh, three wins and two losses. Um, but a lot of the events that I go to, I'm going with Tom Robinson. And a lot of the events in the UK now are three rounds. And I always end up playing Tom in one of those rounds. And he always beats me so comprehensively that even if I abs- get absolutely smashing victories in the other two games, I only come mid table because he beat it out. I know the well. feeling. I know the feeling. We <laughs> all we all time. have our arch enemy. We all have our arch enemy. That no matter what we do, they're just gonna beat the piss out of us. You know. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, well, the, the event's coming up. It's it's June, so it's not yep. very far away. June eighteenth and nineteenth in Osset. Wakefield. Uh, now, how yep. far is that from you? Now, you're in York. Where are you at? Um, I'm in Yorkshire. Um, Yorkshire. So, so um, next town over from uh, from Wakefield, I'm in a place called Castleford. Oh, so, how far Cas- is the venue? Cas Vegas, should I say? Yeah. How far? Now, how far of a drive a distance? To uh, the it's venue? about, uh, I'd say, about twenty five minutes. It's not. Far. Oh, that's not too bad. No. Yeah. No, that's we'll, good. We'll probably end up having to take several trips with all of the mats and terrain and stuff, but that'll be fine. Understand. Yeah. So what do you, I mean, you know, this event's coming up. Mm-hmm. Hopefully you get 48 players. How many, how many people have you got signed up so far? Uh, I think we've got 29 so far. What's going on? What are people taking so long? It's the best event in the UK. <laughs> why aren't they? Why aren't they signing up in people droves? Wait to, people wait to sign up to uh, to these events. Uh, we're going to be doing even more of a, a media blitz. So people who are getting tired of seeing Northern Kings in fanatics, you ain't seen nothing yet. Um, <laughs> well, that's quite a threat because I'm sure tomorrow people are going. God dang it, these guys. <laughs> <laughs> now this it's it's quite normal in the UK to uh, to have people signing waiting to sign up to events. And stuff. Same in the US. Um, same in the U.S. Yeah. and it's it's a damn shame because in the U.S. if you have an event with it sharing uh, a venue with other of other events, um, you know you potentially lose lose opportunity, lose capacity to yeah. other to other other gaming systems that are paying at a faster rate. Um, yeah, I've, I've seen I've seen that. Happen can't get people to understand that. Like, sign up, man! If you yeah. want to come and want to play, please sign up. It's not just so that the TO knows you're coming, but that's a very big thing. TO needs the money. They may need, they mm-hmm. may be what you're doing, building a bunch of training. A little influx of cash wouldn't hurt anybody. Um, but it's just laying out that money for your, showing your commitment that you're actually going to be there. Yeah, you know, for the TO's perspective, it makes uh, planning so much easier, um, especially when you're arranging food and stuff. You need to – your suppliers want to know how many people you've got and – you want they want you to conf- to uh, commit to a hard number, um, but if people want to uh, are interested, please have a, please have a look so you can find us on Facebook Northern Kings, um, and also if you go to gt.northernkings.com, you get the sorry gt.thenorthernkings.com, um, 
is the website for tournament. Um, and that's got all the details on there. But if you find us on Facebook, uh, we link regularly to uh, to the event. You can see all the details there. Link in the show notes for those that are that lazy <laughs> or can't remember. GT at thenorthernkings.com. And by the way, Paul Welsh did a fantastic job on your guys' website. Oh, absolutely. He's he's knocking all the graphic design out of the park. It's uh, He's really good at this. I think he sh- could perhaps start thinking about uh, doing it as his day job. You know, he's, he's really. I'm talented. looking forward to like seeing that. your pack. I bet your tournament <laughs> pack is going to be really pretty. It's out. It's oh, is it? Oh, yep. I'll have to check it out. So it I, does, I've, it got, does I've got a high bar. It, it looks beautiful. Yep. He's now, what software limit. package are you going to score with this year? Are you using uh, Tabletop TO, or what, what are you using to score? So we're not going to be using Tabletop TO. Um, we've had bad experiences with that in the past. Like with the venue, we like control. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And we like our spreadsheets. So we think that we're probably going to be uh, probably going to be running it through spreadsheets. One thing that we are building, though, is Paul and I are building an app for the event which you'll be able to download onto your home screen. Um, players will be able to see all the pairings on there. They'll be able to see all the results and, and everything else they, as they come through. We can communicate new timings if uh, if any of the round times have to change. Uh, so that'll be really useful. Um, and if anybody wants to follow along with the event, they'll be able to get, get hold of the app as well. When are we going to see you back over in the US? I don't know. Uh, I, I, I need to go back to mainland Europe. Uh, that's next on my travel plans. And now, was that uh, Czechoslovak? Was that the Czech Republic you went to last time? Or? Czech Republic I went to. Uh, I also want to go to Germany and France and uh, see some of their events. Uh, I know uh, plenty of people have been to Norway. That is on the bucket list as well. And also, it's, at some point, I'd love to go, go uh, to Australia. Um, that would be a lot of fun. That's on my bucket list yeah. as well. Probably after COVID, though, and after the plane ticket. Yeah, yeah. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I would like to go back to uh, to US events. Um, been to a lot of them, and I want to see some some other countries at the moment. Well, and you know, once you've seen the best, <laughs> it's, it's you know you got to go you got to go check out everybody else too. You, well, you make people feel bad if you don't. Well, the thing is, Paul and I, you know, we've we've both been to US events, and uh, we came. Paul even won an event, as I recall. Yep, he did. Won Lone Wolf, the biggest one, and the best one. So you know that That's... just makes him the best. Uh, but we both came back from that, and we were both like, we want UK events to be of this quality. We love the events. We love the the, the quality of the US events, and they've been sort of a driving inspiration, certainly for for Paul and I who've experienced those events, to uh, to really try and put on UK events of similar, if not better, quality. And now that you have a UK best sportsman in Dan King, the sky's the limit. You'll have all you guys have you guys have all the tools you need now. Absolutely, yeah. Nick, I appreciate you coming on and chatting about uh, Northern Kings, and I, I, I can chat on for days about terrain. I, I, I am a oh, it's, terrain. It's, and it's, it's a real, it's, it's an obsession as well. Yeah, exactly. So I can't wait to see the final picks. I, you have been posted some picks. I've seen some stuff on Fanatics. The, the prize table's not done yet, though, right? Uh, nope, nope, not started that one yet. Um, so we actually held a poll on which one, which theme it was going to be, and the swamp theme won out. So the map has been ordered. I am going to be starting construction on that probably this weekend fantastic any shout outs that we missed i mean we mentioned uh, the events june 18th and 19th in austin Wake- wakefield northern kings gt they got room for 48 players you're about i guess halfway signed up i guess if you want to go to an event don't get one don't want to get smashed by tom robinson 
well, then here's your chance. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> we um, we were discussing in the, in the chat the other day that we we should start uh, advertising that as a point of the event is that you're not going to come up against Tom Robinson. Absolutely. Well, Nick, thanks for coming on. Really appreciate thanks it. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm Nick Williams. Thank you for listening and uh, keep on countercharging. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time on Countercharge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at countercharge15, or by commenting on the Countercharge Kings of War podcast Facebook group. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons.